Hi, everybody. Thanks for being such a fan of Friend Request. We are really blowing up, and that is all due to you. Remember, you can find Friend Request on any major podcast app. This episode is sponsored by me in the fact that we are interviewing uh, Kathleen Nolan, who is a marketing maven, who is a wonderful mother, and such a strong independent leader. And this week, she talks to us about uh, how she manages it all, how the delicate balance between family and business uh, she navigates with a plum. And also, um, if she admits to it still, she is an ex-girlfriend of mine um, who taught me a lot, actually, back when, in the late 90s. And um, even to this episode, I learned from her uh, today. So please be sure to check out the episode with Kathleen. I'm sure you will enjoy the session just as much as we did. Stay tuned. upstate New York. And um, I haven't talked to you or seen you in 22 years. Uh-huh. And um, they call that a hot minute. Right. Right. So, oh, yes. So or if you, a lukewarm minute. Because right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. It's starting to cool off after 22 years. <laughs> <laughs> so how have you been? I've been good. I mean, my gosh, I'm trying to think what have I done in 22 years? I mean, I spent 18 of it as a mom. So that's wow. kind of cool. Um, 18 of it at my job. So that's wow. also pretty cool. Um, it's funny because I came to Albany as a what I called a pit stop at the time. And I had no desire to live in the capital district. And I said, you know what? Two years tops and I'm out. Right. And right. that was like 26 years ago or something. So. That's, that's amazing. And, and your girls, that's all they know. That's where they've been. Yep. Yeah, that's amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so... Um, I, the last time we really caught up was um, when you were mark, uh, marketing manager for a mall, actually. Mm-hmm. So, Great. so that was, you've actually been um, at your, at your um, job longer than then, obviously. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I do. I think I was three years at the mall, um, Clifton Park Center. So yes. still in that whole Clifton Park orbit. I got yeah. sucked right in. I just can't get out. Is that um, still in existence? That, that, it that is. Happened? Yeah. It is. Yes. And, um, and in better shape than they were 18 years ago, but still, you know, not competing with colony center or anything, but right. still, they're all right. Um, so yeah, I was there. And then I started working at, um, what was then real to USA. So, and is now Howard Hanna. Yep. So, so I've been with them a total of almost 18 years. It'll be 18 years this May. Wow, that's amazing. No, time flies. Olivia was 15 weeks old when I started there. And, so. now, and now, well, no, I'm not good at math. So that's what you're, she's, she's 18 now. She's 18. Yep. Yeah, I know. Yes. I, was, I was just testing you. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> right. 
You have two girls? I have two girls. Yes. Yes. I have one that's 18. Um, she just turned 18 at the end of January. Loves to remind me daily that that means she's now an adult. Yeah. Um, kind of lot, losing the battle on, you know, showing her just how exactly that's not quite true yet, but you know, whatever. Um, and then my youngest turns 16 next week. Wow. And so we'll have a second driver in the house, which is always oh, terrifying. And, um, but yeah, they're great. They're best buddies. Um, I used to, when they were kids, they fought all the time. And yeah. I wondered why I thought it was logical to have two girls so close in age. And then um, I kept telling them, you're going to become best friends because yeah. I'm best friends with my sister. Yeah. And now they are best friends. And that has a curse of, a, of its own different kind because now they team up against me. Oh, got it. So, yeah. So that's, you know, I guess you got to be careful what you wish for. <laughs> right. right. So I so, feel like that at 12, they, they decide they know more than you. Mm -hmm. From oh, then right. on out, you're just an idiot. So. That's right. Right. Well, and then eventually it's, it does swing back. Like in their, okay. when they're like 21 or 22, they realize that you actually are pretty intelligent and cool oh. to be around. And Is I only perfect? know that because I have a stepdaughter that she was nine when I met my ex-husband. And so I spent 20 years with her as well. Oh, there and you go. So we, I had like, she was like my training wheels kid. Mm -hmm. right. So, right. <laughs> so. I appreciate that. Right. Because yeah, uh, Katie, you have stepkids too. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have step kids. I have three step kids. I have two biological kids. And right now everybody is 12, 12, 12, 10, and 10. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. some, you know, there's some, some chaos. I think, you <laughs> should, some I, chaos. I think you should start a reality show, Katie. I mean, if it involves me drinking and eating a lot of Sour Patch Kids and chocolate. Done. Yep. Then Done. That's how I survive. So, yep. so tell me, so, so how, um, market, you're the marketing manager, right? Of Howard Hanna. I am the New York state marketing director. So uh -huh. Howard Hanna is in 12 States mm -hmm. and I hold down the fort in upstate New York. We actually have, um, some properties that we picked up about two years ago, um, offices in the New York city area, New Jersey area. And I do not deal down there. There's a different mm -hmm. marketing director that handles that area, but I have, um, Albany, Syracuse, Binghamton area, Rochester and Buffalo. Wow. Awesome. Right. Yeah. So Katie, have you seen signs for Howard Hanna up that way? Yeah, of course. So my husband and I own a real estate brokerage. Oh. All boutique brokerage in Rochester. But mm -hmm. of course we have, you know, a lot of friends that are with Howard Hanna and do really well. And, um, right. but it's a great brokerage and great umbrella. And so definitely familiar with the name. And so, yeah. Um, so Kathleen, I'm going to take you back. I remember a story that you told me a long time ago that I think you were trying to, I think at the time you were just trying to start being a media buyer, right? Uh -huh. or, or something of that nature. And you went on an interview or something like that. And you, you sent like a box of something to the interviewer or something to stand out from the crowd. Do you remember what I'm talking about at all? I do remember it. I'm just trying to remember what was in the box. So <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh, I do remember what was in the box and it was slightly inappropriate. Um, yeah, we went, I, went on an interview, right? I went on an interview and I really, really, it was an agency I really, really wanted to forget. And they told me that they had interviewed like, I don't know, there was like 14 people. Yeah. And, but it, at the interview, for some reason, the interviewer and I got talking about ping pong, which is so odd. I don't even remember at this point anymore how it came up in conversation. And so after I got home and started thinking about it, I was like, I have to do or say something to him so he remembers who I was when we were in the interview. So I got 
two ping pong balls and I smashed them and put them in a box and sent them to him asking if he had the balls to hire me. <laughs> oh, that is amazing. But and they did. So it worked. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> so like, yeah. So, right. yeah, it worked. So, so, so I, guess what, I guess what I'm saying is like, you've always been like, you, you've known how to market, like you have a natural ability to market, to promote, to PR, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, is that something you, you just always knew about yourself? Like even like deciding what you want to do as a career? I think so, because I know that I wanted to work in advertising and marketing from the time I was 14. Really? And, and yeah. And, uh, and the reason that I wanted to do that was because there used to be this great show on TV, which must've been back in the eighties. Cause I'm dating myself called 30 something. And it was about two brothers that ran their own advertising company. Yes. And I thought they were the coolest thing ever. And I was like, and they would sit there and like shoot the shit about, you know, what they were going to say for some product or something while they were like making baskets with fast food wrappers into their like, you know, garbage can. In the nineties? Come on. No. Yeah, maybe it was. I don't know. I don't know. I was like, it was on when I was a teenager, which late eighties, early nineties, solidly in the eighties, unfortunately. Um, But yeah, so I I just always, thought that was the coolest thing ever and of course in your teenage mind you think that must be what life is really like then like right. when you work at an advertising agency that's it's just got to be all fun and games and um and it isn't always but it actually is sometimes and so I always wanted to do that and um I think that I've always had a good sense of humor I have to attribute that one to both my parents my father is the king of sarcasm which is just absolutely amazing and my mom is just funny as hell and so that was another thing that like there's not a lot of careers where you could put that to good use, but yeah. in advertising and marketing, you kind of can. Yeah. So, so yeah, I just sort of geared my life towards getting there and it didn't actually turn out the way I thought, but it turned out great. Like I always pictured myself working in like some big advertising agency, you know, like on fifth Avenue, New York city. Right. I spent some time in New York city as Jeff knows and yep. hated it. So yeah. I was like, right. I guess that's not going to be, I'm not going to be in the big high rise building on fifth Ave. Um, I did not ever think that I would be a marketing director for a real estate company. Right. Um, I didn't know anything about real. I still don't know anything about real estate. That's my joke with them all the time. They <laughs> ask me, I say, don't ask me. I've been 18 years here. I know nothing about real estate, but I can market that crap out of anything yeah. you want to ask me about. So, um, but I don't that, know. I just, that's I just, our, it's funny you bring that, that up because that was going to be my question is, um, it's really marketing is marketing, right? Whether it's it's cigarettes or perfume or real estate. So so really, you, you know, it's great that you've found you know a you know a um, obviously a very successful career in, in a trajectory that's taken off. Um, but really, it's marketing, right? PR is mm-hmm. PR, and you just have to find out how to do it, right? So right. how do you you know, for lack of a better term, and I'm really asking this because I've been thinking about it today when I knew we were going to be talking to you, is how do you make real estate attractive? Right. How do you PR? How do you make it sexy? How do you how do you like, you know, I, I you know what I mean? Because like, right. how do you stand? How do you how do you do the you know, do you have the balls to hire me? Right. Kind of you <laughs> exactly. Because you see like open house or, you know, a sign here. Like, how do you stand out from the crowd in that market? Right. And it's actually not the answer you'd probably expect. So it, it is hard to do that because there's houses everywhere. There's real estate brokerages everywhere. Sure. Yep. There's and they're all selling you know, soaring two-story foyer, three-bedroom, two-and-a-half bath. Like, yeah, but like, literally the same product. Right, right. Oh, absolutely. And and not only, like, 
Yes, the same product, but literally the same product because of the fact that there is the multiple listing service. Right, so right. the house I'm selling today might not even be a Howard Hanna listing. It might be, you know, your company's listing, who knows? So literally the same product, like not wow. even similar. Wow. So, um, so it's really hard. So what we more have to do in real estate is sell our people and work with them on their, like each having, they're independent contractors. So even though, yes, they all work under the Howard Hanna umbrella, they're each kind of running their own real estate companies. And so we have to work with them and get it. Real estate is such a referral business. It's all relationship. Um, we can do all of the advertising that we want to do. And, and we do. I mean, I have great budgets. I love buying television, buying billboards. And I'm not saying that doesn't help. It helps um, name recognition wise. But to actually sell a house or get business into the company, we have to get people to understand and know and like and trust our agents. Sure. And, and I will say that is one thing I think Howard Hanna does really well um, and probably kudos to you. But um, even though my husband's in real estate, I work with a lot of realtors as a, in my photography business. Mm -hmm. um, I do a lot of listing photos and but that's neither here nor there. My point is one of the, the agents that I've done the most work for is one of the top agents locally. Um, she's with Howard Hanna. But one thing I've noticed is just the level of recognition Mm -hmm. your agents receive and that Howard Hanna gives, you know, as an umbrella organization that helps promote, promote Howard Hanna, but then promote individually the, the agents that are doing well and, and, and gives them the recognition they need to then share that with potential right. clients and existing clients. Like that is as much as it's nice recognition, it's a marketing tool, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you're behind a lot of that. And so- right as a marketer myself and somebody who's sort of in real estate by default, I can appreciate those efforts. So I'm sure I, I can only imagine how hard you're working behind the scenes to strategize those things that on the surface look really nice, right? We're recognizing right. It, but there's a lot of strategy behind that. That's going right. into what that produces on the flip side. Right. Right. So yeah. Because it's never just a piece it's figuring out the agent piece to it too so yeah. you know or like we we just came through our award season which is easily yeah. like every year the worst time of my life it's like planning the wedding from hell and yeah. then it's over in an hour and you're like where did the last 60 days okay. of my life go yeah. and I understand you know in the meantime I'm like I haven't washed my hair in five days and I'm still like you know <laughs> wearing the same sweatshirt I had on three days ago I'm like I don't know how he just got through That's that a lot but of work yeah it is and it's funny because you have the event itself and all the pieces that go into that and pre-COVID was always, um, you know, a live event, which for me was, was fun because, and Jeff will laugh at this because he knows my personality of this, like for us, it was our Oscars for the year, yeah. you know what I mean? And so like planning our local Oscars was yeah. like, could yeah. I have a better job than that? Like, that's, yeah, that's awesome. awesome. You know what I mean? So, um, so there's the event itself and all the details that go into that. And during COVID then figuring out how to make that event still be fun yeah. and interesting virtually so that everybody was safe. But then kind of what you're saying is then there's always these back end pieces to have yeah. like, okay, so it's one thing to invite them and give them a nice dinner and have them come up on stage and have their two seconds of glory. But how do they, how do we make sure that the public understands why that was important and who was yeah. important in it? Right. And that kind of stuff. So, that. Yeah. yeah. So would you, would you say it was easier to do in person or was like, what I find is some of the people we're talking to in the different industries, they, they, they said it was actually harder to pivot. Uh, digitally for some of the things they used to do in person. Yeah. And I would say that in particular, it, it was really hard to, yeah. um, because I mean, a live action show and an awards ceremony yeah. like that, it's like, 
and it's a long one because we have a lot of awards to give out. So you're talking about an hour and a half, two hours of an event, which is hard for somebody to sit in front of a computer and enjoy two hours of something. You know what I mean? It, unless it's like a blockbuster movie that you're downloading on your on your um, laptop. But so to keep it interesting and keep people engaged and also a big part of an award show or any public event like that is like just the camaraderie of it. It's everybody at the table together and congratulating each other and cheering when other people win and like the kind of celebration of it. And so to try to recreate that in, you know, an 18 inch box or whatever, it's just. Well, because now, now you're not just making an award show, you're making really a televised award show. Right. right? So I'm, right. I'm sure you were like, go to him, go to them, you know, type, you know, now, now this is when this comes in. I mean, you probably had to script it in a way. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And we script this show, even when it was live, we did. I mean, cause to a degree you have to, but there definitely was more nuance to it when we were doing it virtually um, sure. and more learning that kind of equipment. I mean, I obviously don't have to run the equipment. I just kind of stand in the background and make sure right. it's all running properly. Thank God. Right. But just still understanding like how to write a script for a teleprompter versus, yeah. you know what I mean? That's something that's gonna, or how to figure out um, what do we wanna cut to as video or as an introduction or where do we want to lay in music or something so that people aren't falling asleep at their desks because they're into their second hour of like this True. is the person that won this yeah. award this is True. so um so yeah that part was challenging and we did it a little bit different last year made some tweaks this year and the funny part is we've probably almost got it down to a science just in time for them to go back to live next year so god willing right. right oh so you, you know? have, have you done it for two years like that yeah we did two years virtually so wow, wow. And so yep. how, how, you know, I feel like Katie, I feel like this question is for every single person we met, but have talked to, but how has yeah. COVID affected the, your industry? Like how, how, ha, or has it? Um, it has, and, and it's funny, actually, we expected it to be catastrophic, quite honestly, the first couple of months yeah. that, that we went into COVID because the overall arching theme was you can't go anywhere. Like, right. oh my God, don't leave your house. You know right. what I mean? And so here we are like, okay, well, we're selling houses and largely that's done through open right. houses and showing people a house and now they can't go there. Right. Um, and, or even going in and meeting with people, like we can't bring a client into an office because now all of a sudden that's not safe to do. So the initial response was incredible panic. I'll be completely honest yeah. with you. And, um, and starting to think of things like, okay, well, in the event that we now need to downsize, in the event that our sales plummet, what will we need to do? And what happened ironically was, and, and I, I believe this probably happened to most real estate companies, but I have to credit Howard Hannaford being like right on point with our technology team. And I wish I could take credit for it, but our tech team is amazing. And yeah. you definitely don't want me on that team because I'm lucky I can operate a cell phone without hurting myself, but they just figured it out. Like they figured out how to do virtual showings of houses. They figured out how to do, you know, um, tours or, or, meetings with people without them having to be there. They figured out how to package stuff so that they could send um, things electronically that maybe we didn't have a good way of sending before. Um, relaunched our website, relaunched some other, or relaunched our app, sorry, relaunched some other tools. Um, and then we just inundated them with training. And that was the one great thing about people being locked at home yeah. is that at least they had the time to jump on these trainings. So yeah, we would launch a tool, or launch a new way to do something. Yeah. But other part, and this had nothing to do with us and was just a crazy, I guess, blessing of the market is what we thought was going to be so catastrophic. We went on to have our largest sales year ever during the first year that we were in COVID oh, wow. and saw incredibly crazy things like people buying houses sight unseen, which we never heard of before. I mean, yeah, 
pre-COVID, you might have once a year, some rich freak said, yeah. oh, I'll buy this house before somebody. But I mean, people were literally like calling their agents saying, can you put me on FaceTime and walk me through the house? Yeah, that's good enough. I'll put in the offer. Wow. Like insane. And the other piece of that was there were so many people trying to move out of really densely populated metropolitan areas uh. up to all of a sudden upstate New York was like the most beautiful and spacious place to be and quote unquote safe because you weren't right on top of 15,000 yeah. other people. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we had so many downstate buyers doing that same thing is, you know, they maybe they would venture out of their house and take a drive in the safety of their car on a weekend or something. But most of the time they were reaching out to our agents and our agents were responding with all the new video tools, all the new remote tools yeah. that we had launched so that they could get those sales done without having to be face-to-face. -face. Yeah. And to your point, the irony is what was supposed to be really detrimental to a, a marketplace like real estate ended up being the largest couple of years for the market. I mean, it's, right. it's still, we're still seeing. I can't make sense of it. I mean, well, I, 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 think I understand. I understand what you're saying, Kathleen, about get, moving out of a, a dense area, because one of the things, you know, that my wife and I decided was, you know, like, you know, we live outside of Boston at that moment. It was like, great. <laughs> I don't right. want to move downtown, yeah. you know, so I get that. But what I don't get is like why, why there was such a boom, not just in New York, but across the country, you right. know, what do right. you attribute that to? Well, and the other piece, and I don't know entirely, but I mean, I know for myself, the other piece is we were all spending so much time at home and either all yeah, of a sudden exactly. you love your house or all of a sudden you realize all the hey. ways your house doesn't work. Oh. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. So, um, or yeah. all the reasons why you needed a house in a different location or a house with a different setup, like now all of a sudden I need an office at home. You know what I mean? Maybe they don't have, so I think it was those driving forces. And then yeah. some people, um, like I know, actually know a very close friend of mine that maybe always wanted to live, like he, he was working up here in New York state, but he always wanted to live in North Carolina. Yeah. And it was kind of like a retirement dream. Like, okay, when I retire, I'll go to North Carolina. He had still kids in school, that kind of stuff. Well, all of a sudden everything was virtual. So right. he and his wife were like, well, screw it. Let's go to North Carolina. Carolina. Yeah. And they up and went and wow. it didn't make a difference. Their kids could still attend school. He still worked for his company in New York. Because right. We were all working remotely anyway. Right. So I think it was part people realizing what they really felt about their houses because they were now there 24 hours a day. Right. It was part people wanting to realize dreams that they could now do earlier or in an unexpected way. You know right. what I mean? So I think there were a lot of different factors. So, but, so, so I, I have to assume for both of you, since you both touch on this, is that people look for, I guess what I'm saying is when people got houses before, usually they didn't expect to live there 24 seven. So when they right. started to look at that, they probably, so like you're saying, they looked around and said, you know, I want something different. When they're looking, do you find that they're looking more with an eye of, I could be here most of my days type of thing? Right. Right. I think, well, I think, yeah. I mean, I would say, and Katie, you'll have to see if you think the same thing, but I think that the creature comforts that we liked in our house just became even more important. Yeah. So, and I think for a long time, you know, it was the cool thing to spoil yourself outdoors. Like, it seems like we hit our forties and hit our fifties and all of a sudden everybody's a runner. Everybody's a kayaker. Right. Everybody's like, everybody thinks going to craft breweries is cool. It's because that's how we pampered ourselves with all the things outside of our house. Yes. But when we couldn't go outside of our house anymore, now we're back to looking at, okay, I'm yeah. pampering myself in my house. So why don't I have a luxury bathroom? And why don't I have a bigger, why don't I have a fireplace? And why don't right. I have, because you know, I'm here all the time. So I think, I feel like that sparked it a lot. And so from the, mar the nail on the head, I think that's for sure. But from the marketing standpoint, do you then highlight, push that out? You know, that, yeah. that like, do you try to attract people that way then? 
Yeah, well, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's funny because also the one thing I noticed, and maybe we were doing it all along and I just noticed it more during COVID, but I feel like in a lot of our advertising, you would see the exterior of the house, you know, an old traditional newspaper advertising. It's like, there's the exterior of the house, a little blurb about it, exterior house. And I feel like we more and more moved to doing the interior stuff and doing bigger photos where we could do bigger and doing more color and doing things that maybe weren't um, sometimes housing photography to me would look like it was more like a furniture ad because yes. like you'd be show the living room, show the dining room, but all you're seeing is the t- dining room table. And I feel like people got a little more creative and funky with their um, photography during COVID too, because they were trying to show those specialty things. They try to show the close up of look how cool this spa bathtub is. Look how really nice this mantle is. And I don't think they necessarily thought about that before. Yeah. I mean, I, so, so my other hat is I'm a photographer. So the reason mm-hmm. I was able to do that is my, when my husband opened his brokerage, I was like, I can do your listing photos and starting to do a lot of that for even other agents outside of our, our brokerage. That is, that is the trend. I mean, some agents really focus on staging and you want to make a, a space look beautiful, right? It's that marketing aspect. But I think in the height of COVID and what we've seen into a lot of the points you've made, people didn't care so much about the staging. They wanted to see a space that needed a, a, a personal touch. They wanted mm-hmm. to see a bathroom. You know, it. there's a joke among realtors that I'm sure you're well-versed with. That's like, everybody wants the perfect house with a bathroom that maybe needs a little touch up or a little fresh, right? Well, yeah, because everyone wants to put their stamp on it and a little bathroom seems like manageable. Mm-hmm. But in reality, you know, a lot of these houses, people were just fighting for and overpaying for, and it's still not necessarily that different. There's a lot more than a bathroom that maybe needs a little refresh, but people are willing to overlook those things for the bones of the house to say, this space works for me. I need the office. I need the playroom for my kids. I need the extra outdoor space for my children. If we get stuck home again, we make this livable space, something that works for our family. And I'm sure you see that as well. And, and that informs a lot of your work, right? The right. shift in our culture. Absolutely. Because even, even beyond the fear of if we all get stuck at home again, there is so many people that changed careers or changed the way oh, they operated yeah. their careers based sure. on that. I mean, prior to COVID, I was in the office every single day. Sure. I've worked at home. I'm at home right now. I've worked at home since March of 2020. Oh, wow. And they still haven't really called us back. I mean, we go in a couple of times a week. We kind of do a skeleton crew. But what we found funny, at least with us, is that we did some productivity studies during that first year that yep. we were all home. And our employees are like 50 and 60% more productive at home yeah. than they are here. I'm going to uh, no, cut you off. I'm going to pause here because okay. I was having a conversation with my father this evening. And you remember my dad? Hell yes. Yeah. Greg. Yes. And, um, he was saying, you can't tell me that people are, not, are more productive at home. I said, I can tell you that. And the mm-hmm. fact is, like, even for myself, you don't have the office pop-ins and you don't have like, you know what I mean? And, you, you know, it's just like I am laser focused when I'm able to just focus on my emails and like my dogs and stuff like that. And um, so I totally agree. You know, so do you think that that you well, let me t- I'm going to I have two questions. One is your particular office. Do you think that it will always offer remote or hybrid? I have a feeling yes. And it was funny because I was talking about that with our HR director not too long ago. And because of because of two things, 
One is because they've seen we're productive this way and actually more productive this way. And we've proven that we have ways to handle things without having to be right in the office. So why change that up? Right. But the other piece is that society, culturally, we've made a change to where people now want to work from home. And so I can tell you, because we've had this issue trying to hire employees, they yeah. will now ask in an interview, well, yeah. how many days a week do I need to be in the office? Absolutely. In which you, you would never have asked that never. two years ago in your life. You would never have gone to an interview and said, well, how many days in the, do I need to be in the office? Yeah, we, I was part of an all staff meeting today where this is the third meeting we've had about it. And now we have an answer. But the fact is, is it was about people's feelings about coming back and mm -hmm. want to be heard. And, you know, it's not they're not worried about getting sick anymore. They're not worried about that type of thing. But what they are not worried about what they're concerned about is, are you going to offer me not how not um, doing the job, how I do the job? Are you going to offer me that perk to be able to have the flexibility to come in and not come mm -hmm. in? Right. So, it's the productivity. I just had this conversation. I just started a, a, a new role in a, the past couple of weeks. And, you know, I go into the office once a week. I feel it's important. It's something that I push. Mm -hmm. But I found myself losing that drive time where I wanted to just stay in the office and work on what I was doing, but I had to leave and come home. And, and the conversation right. is that the productivity is there. If you're committed to your job, if you're at a certain level of, of you know, in your career, right? Mm -hmm. Your professionalism is going to supersede location. Right. So yeah, I do think that that's part of the conversation and, it, and COVID, one of the perks, if any, <laughs> has been that we have now come to this place of respecting each other's work and understanding that productivity trumps location, trumps face. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, you know, I have my sneakers on, I have my sweatpants on, and then I have my Zoom shirt. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh my God, I, have two, I have two minutes. I'm like, sure. And I'm like, hello. Yes. How are you? Yeah. You're going to be the guy we see on the meme where it's like, oops, forgot I was in my underpants and my Zoom was on. I'm not going to say that. Up. Exactly. Yeah. I'll forget that. Right. <laughs> That'll exactly. be clearly accidental. Right. Yeah. 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 No, clearly accidental, folks. So sorry. Um, but, you know, it, there are, you know, I, Right now I go in three days a week, work home two days a week. And there is something that, you know, there's a difference between rolling out of bed and like getting in the car and commuting and getting your coffee and stuff and rolling out of bed and going right to your desk. But the fact is, is that like, I really see the benefits of both. I don't see five days a week going into the office anymore. Right. It just, it does not make sense to me, but I also can see the benefits of going in a couple days a week, you know, to right. touch base. So, so yeah, the fact is that FaceTime, it is important for a lot of right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because know, if there's yeah. one part I think in COVID where management suffered, and I am guilty of this myself, is the one thing that you had to be really skilled at was in, is keeping that team or camaraderie together yes. when you were all in a different location. Yes. And yes, there was you know Teams and Zoom and all that, but like you have to kind of be a little bit creative though to keep people to still keep that like family atmosphere. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I've worked with my team for 18 years, some of them, right. and it's like, we're a family, we're a work family. Yeah. So I think we do need to be in the office and see each other from time to time just to keep up that side of the morale yeah. of it. What did you do to try to uh, connect digitally? You know, I was terrible. We did, we did I'm like, I'm, I'm not really a good manager. It's just unfortunate that I've risen to the level in my career where I have people that work under me and I apologize to them for that all the time. But um, I don't know what we did. I mean, we did a lot of Zoom meetings. We tr I try to meet every other week at least with our team. Um, 
and uh, they had gotten really good about keeping in touch with each other. And I guess that's another spot where technology, we were actually laughing today because there's so many spots where we get messages in. So I have um, right. teams that I work with because we're in 12 different states. There's a couple of different teams that I work with on a daily basis that are in different facilities or different capacities. And so sometimes like my local team is usually texting me because they know that my phone is basically an extension of my hand. But then I have another group that's slacking me. And then another group is sending messages through Teams. And then another, you know what I mean? And then you're getting email. And it's so funny because we were cracking up at that today. It's like somebody said, oh, I thought I sent you that message. Oh, no, I know. I sent it to you on email. Oh, no, wait, I didn't. I sent it to you on Slack. <laughs> we're trying to figure out like where this piece of information was because there's now 15 ways that we're talking to each other. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we tried to do, we tried to stay in touch that way. And for a while in the beginning, um, and then I don't know why we fell off of this, but we had a reporting structure that had come down from higher than my level that they wanted to know, kind of just keeping track when people were first at home, what projects are they working on? Yeah. And so I kind of had turned it into this thing we called the wins or the win and lose list every week. Yeah. Cause we have that phrase, like every day you win or learn. So it was like, okay, which, which thing did we do right now? So they would put down kind of the tasks that they got done. And then they would put down the stuff that maybe didn't get finished this week and they needed input from another person or they needed whatever. But then I added to it at the end, like, and give me your personal win for the week. Yeah. And we had some of the funniest stuff because everybody was home. So it was like, right. oh, my personal win was I cleaned out my garage for the first time in 12 years. You know what I mean? Like, it was just yeah. funny, but it gave us each something to talk about with each other yeah. that wasn't just work, work, work all the time. Got it. Got it. So um, you, you know, you manage um, different locations. How, even before COVID, how did you stay in touch with all those different locations? Um, well, I mean, there was always email and to yeah. a degree, we started doing some, I would say video-based calls, not long before COVID, but maybe for like a year or so we used to, but really it was on the road and I would put hundreds of miles on my car every year because um, I have an office. So we have a marketing department in Buffalo and one in Rochester and um and one in Syracuse and then the one main one here in Albany and the one in Albany also covers the Binghamton area so for you know if I had to get out there and see employees or had to go out for a management meeting or whatever I was in my car and spent a lot of time up and down the throughway so, really? yeah yeah it had to be yeah. difficult as a mom right with two girls I mean I know you're, you have it was it was but how did you how did you manage that and 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 juggle traveling and and the different dynamics right. that with a family it was it was pretty it was crazy making and especially you know when they were younger I did actually I posted about this not too long ago on Facebook I do have to really give a shout out continuously to my employers because whether it was when they were real to USA or even now as Howard Hanna both of those companies despite their size are family owned and family operated they're independent companies and I know when I interviewed originally 18 years ago um, I mentioned having children and, and the, my boss said to me, well, how old are your kids? And I said, 15. And I was thinking about it for a minute because she had just been born. So I was thinking like, is she 15 weeks old or 16 weeks? Well, he thought I meant she's 15. So when I said 15 weeks, he was like, oh, oh. <laughs> are you going to be able to work full time? I was like, yeah, I'll be able to work. It'll be fine. So it's kind of funny. I mean, obviously it takes a lot of juggling. Um, yeah. Luckily, and you know, age, they're busy usually like, oh, they, yeah, I think the craziest days? time was when I had like, so my daughters are two years apart. So I had a two year old and a newborn baby. And at the time I lived about 40 minutes from my office. Wow. So that was probably the most crazy making because it was like, get an infant ready, get a two year old ready, get them into daycare, take the 40 minute commute up to the office, yeah. do my day. 
which, and as a manager, and you guys probably know this too, it's like your day doesn't always end at five o'clock. Like for all your good planning, you know what I mean? Like it's 530, it's 545. And then I'm looking at the clock going, holy shit, daycare ends in 10 minutes and I'm 40 minutes away. Like whatever, whatever, you know, so it, so it was a lot of calling on, you know, family in the area and stuff like that. My, my ex was a fantastic dad. And we, that was the one thing we did really well together was co-parenting. We still co-parent well together. So it was just kind of a tag team thing, but the great thing about where I worked, um, and I had said, so going back to the interview, I had said to him, yes, I'll be able to work. And I've, I've wanted to work my whole life. I am not someone that should be a stay at home mom because my poor children, I don't even know how they would survive that. So I said, but I am, um, what I have termed myself to be as a mom executive. And I said, and the reason it's a mom executive and not an exec gum or whatever is because the mom part comes first. And then I'm an executive. Oh, I love that. So yeah. I said, if you can handle that and if you can deal with that, then that's cool. And there were some times along the way, um, there was a time period when my youngest, um, when she was four, she had this condition called intussusception, which is just like this crazy thing where she just would violently throw up at like no notice. And so there were times that I had to be out of the office because we yeah. were dealing with this and they grow out of it. It wasn't serious, but it was just a thing. Yeah. And and that was the only time, like, you know, there's times like that, that we would kind of butt heads a little bit, my boss and I, and he would be like, you know, I know you're like this mom executive thing, but like you called in three times last week because your kid was puking. And I'm like, and I did. And I remember saying to him, I think I had worked there about seven years. And I said, you know what? I'm like, you are the longest, outside of my husband, you're the longest relationship I've ever had with a man. <laughs> and I said, and I'm telling you right now, I think what we have going on here is the seven year itch because I have not let you down in any way and you have not let me down in any way. So I said, so why does it make a difference if my butt is in the chair from nine to five or if my butt is in the chair from nine to two and then I had to leave to go get my puking kid, but then I jumped back on the computer at seven o'clock and I still didn't miss a deadline. Right. Is this the the mountain you want to die on basically? You know what I mean? And, And so they were great about understanding that. And I think that's another thing that I think European countries have understood this for far longer than American companies totally. have, but that there is an immense value in being family friendly for yeah. both men and for women. Yeah. And I've been very lucky that I've been able to climb that ladder through their ranks. I mean, when I first came here, I was only the marketing director for the capital region and we only had like 10 offices. Yeah. And now I have, I don't know, 89 offices in my footprint and 3,200 agents. And it's amazing. Wow. And I couldn't have done that if they didn't understand you know, the importance to me of that my kids come first and that doesn't mean I'm going to let you down. And that doesn't mean I'm going to blow a deadline. It doesn't mean any of those things. It's going to get done. It's going to get done in a different way. Right. Yeah, but I it's going to get that. done after my kids have had their needs met. So in my- and I think COVID has, has helped in that way in, in the U.S. at least. I think I'm hoping that a lot of companies are seeing that, seeing the light in that way. Um, mm-hmm. Because even over the past decade, you know, my kids are coming up on being teenagers and I, I worked in a way that I, it was very important to me to be home, but I was, it was important to me to also earn a living. And so I did freelance work and I did all these things and looking back, I wish, you know, and times changed, but I, I wish I had prioritized my work in a way and fought for my work in a way that allowed me to do the things you're saying, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think I would have been a better mom. And right. so, and, 
we all make mistakes and all of that. Right. And I, 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 I think I've done a decent job. They're still alive. So I've done something. <laughs> I, I always say that about my kids too. I'm like, well, right? I haven't killed them yet. Yeah. Yeah. So. But, but the work piece, and I, I just went back into a more full-time position more recently. And I'm like, gosh, I'm a better mom because I'm able to use my brain in a way that mm-hmm. fulfills me. Right. And so right. there's this balance that I think you're right. I think European countries and a lot of the world has, has recognized that for so long, the U S has been slow to that. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's taken a pandemic to get us to a spot where we trust ourselves enough and we trust our, our, our women leaders enough and, and male leaders enough to work from home and be productive and, and give the commitment, but it doesn't have to be eight to five. And right. that's, I think such a strong message that I wish existed 10 years ago, but here we are. And I'm just, I'm thankful for the moms of today and the new moms coming up that have that opportunity that I didn't feel like I had. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for fighting for that and advocating for your, your motherhood and your career. I mean, I, I, I admire you for that so much. So thank you. But like I said, I was very lucky that I had good employers that would you know what I mean? To work with sure. me on it too. Because there's so the much fact that, that paved the way for so many women coming up the ranks. And right. I think that you need to take credit for that because that's a huge win for so many women coming up that want to be moms and want to have a career. And for so long, we thought we couldn't do both. Right. 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 So yeah. goes to you on that. So, so the way I see it is, you know, what I tell the people that work for me, what I'm kind of hearing from both of you is you might get it done in a different way, but it'll get yes. done. So what yeah. I always say, just because I have to make it make sense for myself, is doesn't matter what happens in rehearsal or backstage. It's what goes yeah. on stage, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, and and so it sounds like in a way, and it only took a global pandemic, but I'm not surprised that it took that much to catch up with you, Kathleen. Is the fact that like you know what I mean? Like now the world is kind of shifting that way, right? Mm-hmm. But you were kind of yeah. doing that, you know, back when, like you said, you were seven years into the job. The job. Yeah, that's right. Right. It's excellent because I think the one thing that if anything had, if any part of motherhood had killed my career along the way, it would have been the guilt of it because I were, I, there were those nights that I came home like, okay, I didn't even pick the baby up till six o'clock from daycare. And this is a baby that goes to bed at seven 45, you know what right. I mean? And, and I would sit down at night afterwards and go, Oh my God, like I brought this baby into the world and I spent an hour and 45 minutes with her today. You know what I mean? It was like this crazy, yeah. insane guilt that would happen. Or I remember, um, my daughters, both of them, but more so my older one went through that separation, um, anxiety thing they get when they're about two, kind of yep. two or three. And, um, she'd been going to daycare since she was, you know, 16 weeks old, but she just got in this thing where for a couple of weeks, every time I would drop her off at daycare, she's clinging to my leg. She's crying. She's, and I would have to like, you know, get her off me, hand her to the daycare teacher, whatever. But I would get in my car and spend that 40 minute commute crying back to my office because I was like, I just left my, like I peeled my child off of me and gave her to a stranger. Mm -hmm. And then ironically, because the way kids are, I would get to the office and call right away and be like, is she okay? And they'd be like, oh, she's fine. She's playing in the block tower or whatever. It was like those guilty moments were the things that made me like, holy crap, I don't want to get, I do want to be successful and I am a career person, but I don't want to get to a point where my kids are fully grown. And I'm like, I let other people raise my kids. Yeah, Yeah, but I don't know if this will make you feel any better, but I was home and had struggles where my children were doing the same things. I had to take a call. I mean, I don't think there's any mitigating that 
dynamic because it's developmentally appropriate for them and right. it's not wrenching for every mom. And so right. I don't know if this gives you any peace at all, but I think whether you leave them for 10 minutes or 10 hours, that is just a phase in their development. And it is so hard for us as moms, but you know, I, it, it is, I, I feel your pain, but also right. I know that having lived it in a, in a different capacity, they do it anyways. Right. So <laughs> right, exactly. Off getting what you need as well so that you can be fully present for them. Exactly. Yeah. And the other thing I always said, and I sometimes I would think this was a justification, but I actually think it's true, is my kids got to have some really excellent opportunities that like I when I was growing up, my mother was a stay at home mom. So she was there because I wasn't my kids got to go to summer camp or they got yeah. to go to like Taekwondo camp or they got to go. You know, what I mean, and like yeah. so they had those they had to learn to kind of figure things out for themselves in yeah. one way. And they also had a lot of experiences, and a lot of social things that they had happened that wouldn't have happened if I had been home with them. And sure. that's not to bash stay at home mom. To, um, no, there's an entire flip side of me that would have loved to have been home with them, but just, do you know what I'm saying? So it gave yeah. them some experiences that I think enriched their lives and made up for maybe the fact that it wasn't me myself yeah. there doing them with them. There's always give and take. Yeah, I mean, right. I'm just impressed that like you guys have, uh, are raising and have raised children if somebody gave me a plant like they put it down it would just <laughs> it would just like like a plant fall right so yeah. then it'd be like meh and then just kind of like move on with my day so like well, I'm, we'll start you with a fake plant baby i've, I've yeah. got they got fake plants I don't know. Exactly. No, like i i can't i i just it's 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 unfathomable to me it's a whole different universe to hear about so like that's why i've been staying quiet right but, like it's no. uh, you could do a whole show too on the insecurities of like trying to raise a human being. Oh yeah. You know? Well, like, I just oh feel like God. I just feel like like is there an instruction manual or like? No. Oh, well, we wish so that worse. too. We've been doing it blind. So if somebody has one, please send it our way. Exactly. I'd be, I'd be on YouTube like every two minutes, like how to feed yeah. a bottle or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Join the club. That's what moms do. We Google. So oh, absolutely. Let me pivot. Is is so work mom. You know, um, what do you do for fun? Like, what are your hobbies? Um, well, you know, I was just making fun of all those things we do in our 40s and 50s, but I do them. So like, I do love kayaking. Um, I own two of them. So um, I, I do have to use a step ladder to put them on top of my car because, you know, that's what five foot two girls do. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I have that. Um, I do like to run. I love to hike. Um, basically anything outdoors. And the nice thing is both my kids are very active, so I can usually get them to come along with me. Um, I still love theater, so I haven't yeah. given that up. So, and actually it, I'm, I'm obsessed lately with Dear Evan Hansen. I don't know why. I've never seen it. Yeah, really? Have you watched the movie? I've never seen it. Yeah, watch the movie. Yeah, go look at the movie. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Just, so it's like different. it's like six ninety nine or something on Apple. Just go get That's it. That's a lot of money, Katie. I'm sorry. Not all of us. Are, no. no. Oh, oh my god. So the, good. Okay. So here's the thing. I mean, you both know I'm obsessed with theater too. Um, and like I watched Tick Tick Boom, which I'm obsessed with. And my big thing this year is Hades Town. That's like I just love it, love it, love it. Dear Evan Hansen seems like. I cry a lot. <laughs> it's heavy. I cried through that whole movie. It was hideous. <laughs> but I love him. You know, the actor that is is Evan Hansen in the movie yes. was in um, Pitch Perfect. Yeah. And I, I'm a, like a Pitch Perfect addict, closet Pitch Perfect wow. addict. I will never admit it out in public, but yes, I've seen well, those just did, about 14 you know. times. Yeah. So, I know. <laughs> and um, 
and I love him. And the movie, you're absolutely right. Like I cried from I think the second scene, like straight through the entire movie. But and now I'm addicted yeah. to the soundtrack. I can't stop. The soundtrack is on repeat. Jeff, I will tell you this. I took my two girls to see it. They're 10 and 12. And I'm sobbing. I'm sobbing at the end, right? So we leave and I'm like, oh my gosh, what did you guys think? Are you okay? You know? And they were like, it was fine. Oh, no. You know, the best part was that the funniest part was when they did the song together. You know, um, Sincerely Me. Yep. yep. Oh, sure. Like, that's, that's what you got out of it is Dear Evan Hansen is singing with the guy who committed suicide, like in his mind, they're having a duet, but he's dead, but he's not in the song. And my daughters are like, that was so funny. I'm like, what is the matter with you? How did you, but at 10 and 12, like so this goes back to like you know, the instruction manual for motherhood. This goes back what? to the instruction manual for motherhood. Yeah, I probably, this was not a good idea. All right, <laughs> but here we are, mom fail. I thought they'd appreciate it. Well, you. one, I'm going to check it out now, of course, obviously. You should. No, it's, it's powerfully written, I will say. I actually, yes. by the end, I was like, as a writer, Jeff, phenomenally. Now, it, it's about mental health, right? Ish. Or, yes. 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 And he breaks yep. his arm or something? Just watch it. Jeff. Okay. I don't want to ruin okay. it for our listeners. Okay, okay. I watch it. Bring but a box of tissues. Okay. Of it in April, come through Rochester. So you're obsessed with theater, but like I also know, I don't know if you've done it in the last 18 years or whatever, but you used to act a lot. Like I you- know, and you know what? I miss that so much. And I guess if there was one thing that I was going to add back into my life, that it would be that. And I think there's a part of me that can legitimately say that I haven't participated in the last 18 years, at least because of time. Yeah. You know what a time commitment sure. it is. But if I'm really honest with myself, there's probably a 30% or more chance that I haven't done it out of fear. So, which is so silly oh, because no. in college, we thought nothing of it. Like, you know what I mean? And, and even I would say probably one of the smartest things getting into the career that I'm in that I did was doing that dual major in performing arts, because as a marketing director or a marketing person, you're required to speak in front of people all the time. Definitely. And so that definitely helped. Yeah. So I have gotten up in front of crowds of seven or 800 people and given presentations before at like our rallies and things like that. And it doesn't bother me. So I don't know what it is that bothers me about the idea of going to an audition. I cannot figure out what that is. I've had these little like, you know, wants to do it at various times over the last few years. And, and I'll look into it and I'll even convince myself that I'm going to go, all right, I'm going to show up and I'm gonna go, to the, go to the audition and I don't do it. It's, this crazy, insane fear that I've developed think, for it. And I don't know the why. nervousness is about the audition or like, like if, if somebody said, here's a part, here's a role in a show, would you be nervous about that? Or is it the audition? No, I would totally do it. It's the audition. And honestly, I think it's a weird form of fear of rejection. Sure. Like, well, I don't want to go there and try out and there. have them not cast me. Yeah. yeah it's putting crazy. yourself out there. It's, it's scary. Right. For sure. For sure. I mean, the thing I go in with is like, I don't know if they want fat, thin, blonde, um, brunette, you know, muscular, scrawny, you know what I mean? So like, I always think like, oh, like, thank you for trying out, but we went in a different direction. You don't know what the director is thinking, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So like, and, and you know, so I don't know, I think you should, cause you're very good at it. So I think you should pick up, pick it up again. And I remember that you and I memorized, memorized Sunset Boulevard. Uh, oh my God. Yes. I can still <laughs> say Sunset Boulevard from right, start to finish. Right. So talking yeah. about theater geeks, Katie, we would drive yeah. in the car and literally take the different parts. And it's like, mm, mm, 
<laughs> oh yeah, oh, we can God. rock the crap out of yeah, that. That's still my. That, by the way, that's still my. Well, I don't know. This year, Hades Town is pretty good, but Sunset Boulevard is still my favorite of all time. So yeah. Um, well, you know, my dream ever role would have been to play Eponine and Lamez Rob. I knew you were gonna say that. But oh my God, like I, like I could just die happy. Like I could play it one time and then die on the stage and be set and be yep. fine. Oh my but gosh! Now that I'm like way past i mean i'm eponine's grandmother at this point basically so like now i'm looking for the norma desmond role like i could play the crap out of norma desmond but right right i gotta find that community theater group that's doing it so i actually remember i i I tried out for a role and they said well as you can see the rest of the cast is much older than you we're gonna fit you in but we got to fit you in a smaller part because um you know now it'd be like listen as you can see they're much 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 younger than you younger than we're thinking of you as like the elderly grandfather like comes out and like dies and then they just <laughs> like drag you off the stage so oh my God. So, no. so so i'm gonna i'm we have these actor studio questions we asked so so what is what is um the most important lesson uh you feel you've learned in well i'll say your career first okay oh my god i don't even know the most important lesson I guess is that if you're going to commit to something, then you've got to commit to it. So I, which I know sounds like, I guess, kind of weird, but um, I have a habit of biting off probably way more than I can chew. And I've never learned to stop doing that. And so the way that I got anywhere or the way that I was able to advance in my career, or the way that I was able to talk them into letting me be a a mom and an executive was to make sure that whatever I just bit off, I chewed and swallowed (laughs) and did it on time because otherwise that whole other thing was going to fall apart. So you feel like you've spread sometimes I actually, what's funny is in a job interview, if somebody says that to me, I, like, what would you say is a negative trait of yours? I, I always go to, I feel like I, I bite off more than I get chew. Meaning that, and I'm going to turn it into a question is, do you feel you spread yourself too thin when you do that? Yes, yeah. I absolutely do. And then I have this problem where I'm a total perfectionist and my own worst like critic. So, which probably comes from one of my father's favorite phrases when I was growing up, which was, don't put your name on anything that you're not proud to put your name on. Well, that's stuck in my brain. So now it's like yeah. everything I do, I have all these grand plans about how I'm going to do it. And then when it comes down to the fact that, yeah, you had planned a, like a 19 hour thing that you have like 45 minutes to do. So that's like the hardest part is just kind of learning to like be okay with what's okay. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. just the, the thing is getting it done. The thing is not it being like letter and color perfect or whatever. So so if you if you could have coffee with any historical figure, who would it be? Oh my goodness, historical figure. Um, there's so many of them. Well, let me let me rephrase it. If you could have coffee with anybody living or dead. And don't oh goodness. Her. Um, you know what? Honestly, and this is going to sound really sad, and I do, and I'm not saying it for like pity or anything, but it's just true because it came to mind. I would have coffee with my mom. She's still alive. And yeah. She's not dead. But um, pre, she's she's at that point w- that our parents get to where she's not the mom that I grew up with. You know what I mean? And I miss that. And especially as I get older and things that I go through with the kids or things that I went through going through the divorce or anything like you want that you want your mom there to be able to play, be like the confidant, the advice giver, and stuff like that. And she's not in a place right now where right. she can really adequately do that. So I guess I would go back to that time period. Your mom, in my mind, is a pistol that that, <laughs> that scared the crap out of me. 
<laughs> yes, she was the most frightening five foot one woman you've ever met yes. in your life. Yes. The angry Irish woman. Yes. So, but but so. A, heart, a heart as big as anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And and I hope I hope if anything of my my experience as a mother, I hope I honored what she taught us as a mother and how to be close to your kids and how to be that pillar for them no matter what and how to always just have that unconditional love because that's how she was. Right. So that's how I aspired to be. So mm-hmm. it's hard to see her in the state that she's in right now. And, 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 and I don't mean to play it up. She's not like, you know, half dead or anything, but it's just, it's not the sure. same. She's not able to cognitively do and have the same conversations that we had maybe 15 years ago. Got it. Got it. So. At least, at least you and your sister and have each other and your brother, I'm sure. Oh my gosh. Yes. My sister is my absolute best friend in the entire world. Oh. It's crazy. We are literally like the same person living in two different bodies, I yes. guess uh-huh. is what you would say. Awesome. So absolutely crazy. Um, and, and my brother and I are very close too. And we yeah. like, we're all still in upstate New York. We keep in touch and things like that. And I, of course I love my brother, but it's like, he's my brother. Like, you know, right, I mean, right. he's the guy, like if he calls me once a month, I'd be lucky. Right. So, but my sister is like, we yeah. are probably unhealthily in touch with each other <laughs> as much uh-huh. as we are during the day. Who knows? But yeah, that's, that's the best. Um, so if you could um, uh, travel, uh, no, not travel. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would, you know, where would it be? If you just could pick up today and. If I could pick up today and money was no object. Yes. Initially, I would go to the Outer Banks because it's my absolute favorite vacation place ever. I don't know if that was where it's, if that's where I'd live forever, because the problem is, and this is the other thing I'm going to change in my fifties is I have not been anywhere. Like I haven't been enough places in the world to know there are places I want to visit. I would kill to go to Greece. I would love to go to Ireland. I would love to go to Italy and I have never been there. I have a feeling if, if, and when I ever do go, there could be any number of those places that I would fall in love with and say, you know what? I'd never go back. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But for right now, of the places that I have actual knowledge of, North Carolina, Outer Banks is the absolute most wonderful place for me to be. Like I'm the most relaxed when I'm there. Okay. Another travel thing, but a little different. If you could travel through time forward or backward, where would you go? Um, oh, I think I would be really good in the roaring twenties. <laughs> We're in the twenties again. Yeah, that's true. Roaring twenties. I know like a little different, not so yes. roaring this time, except no. when you like, you know, see your gas bill or something, but right. yeah, I think it would be, I think I could live that whole gangster flapper cocktail life. Totally. Totally. I'd be very happy with it. I can see it. Um, who, who would you say the three, who would you say are, or have been the three most influential people in your life? Um, well, definitely my mom. Yep. We already talked about that. Um, probably my high school marketing teacher, Mr. Reed. Wow. So, I don't even know where Mr. Reed is anymore, well, but definitely. If you're listening, Mr. Reed. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Mr. Reed. Um, hmm, who's the third most? I'm going to say my kids, honestly. And, and both of them equally, but I got to say Olivia, my older one. Um, there's something about her personality. She and I are yin and yang in a good way and also a bad way like and that's hard to explain I mean unless you've had that relationship with your kids but she's probably caused me my most growth and my most pain at the same time do you know what I mean and so definitely I mean definitely both my kids Marin very different personality and absolutely I'm as close with her as I am with Olivia um but her personality does not challenge or grow me in the same way that Olivia's does 
Got it. Oh, well, that's interesting. And if you could re- if you could be remembered for one thing, what would you hope that would be? Um, hopefully the way I make other people feel and hopefully that's a good thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Okay. It was, it was no good. problem. This was fun. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, you're, you're one of those guests that like, uh, like I've been saying to a couple others, not everybody is mm-hmm. like when we get more episodes in the, in the uh, tank, we hope we come back. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, absolutely. That would be fun.